that opening us up on episode 120 of the Outside Centre Film podcast are a couple of whistling walruses. Now, uh, if we don't need that at times like this, Ben, uh, <laughs> then, you know, we, we need it more than ever, basically. Yes. And just, just, just to let you know, when you listen back yourself, yeah. uh, that the higher pitch one is actually the male walrus. Get away! So, I mean, that is outstanding. So uh, that'll be our temporary bed, uh, literally, for this episode. Very excited to hear next this. Week, uh, next week, we will go back to something a bit more uh, podcasty, shall we say, <laughs> uh, that won't be the New Orleans jazz band. Uh, anyway, what are we prattling on about when there's podcasting to be done? And we right. know the importance of podcasting in very strange times like this. Uh, thankfully, me and Ben, are, and of course, Paul, us three will be doing this continuously as normal. So please, if we can make your lives a little bit more entertaining for the next 40 to 50 minutes, then hell yes. Uh, because what is happening out there right now is very, very strange. But we're not going to talk about that anymore because we have a job to do and we know you want to hear us do it. So Ben, we've got three foreign language films to talk about yep. of, a, of a certain standard. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, and I've, we'd love to guarantee you three masterpieces this week, but we simply can't, ladies and gentlemen. However, I always think that when we do have something to moan about, the, the episodes are generally more entertaining. So you are guaranteed entertainment for the next, as I say, three quarters of an hour or so. Uh, and Ben, I'm not going to blame you. I'm really, really Thank not. Two of, the th- two of the three films are yours this week, but I have got nothing to be proud of in the middle either. <laughs> so... We are all in this together, which we know we are anyway. So uh, let, I'm actually genuinely interested to see, and we know it's the case of, if, if, if we can't actually say we love any of these films, it's more about which will be our film of the week, the one that we can tolerate the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could be the first one. We'll mm-hmm. find out now. It's Babai, Ben. Uh, yep. Will you tell us about Babai, please? Yep, sure. So Babai is the first feature film from, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name here, Artem Isagliev. Um, it is a film about two children um, and their trip to see their grandparents with their father, their kind of uh, emotionally distant father, um, where hilarity ensues. Um, it's it's a film which is very similar to The Ridge uh, Seasons, the Swedish film we watched a while ago, but with 14% more story in it. Um, it's a film that the director has made with his family. So pretty much everyone in this film is a family member of his. Um, it is a fiction film using non-actors. Um, and it's very interested in giving you a child's eye perspective on things. So yes, um, the reason I'm, I'm a bit shortcoming with what happens in the story is because <laughs> the whole film is, is what the kids see um, around them and, and how they kind of interpret this. And there's very, very little information given to you. You basically, you understand family connections um, and that's pretty much it. Everything else is just presented to you as, I don't know if, if you had the same thing, but when you're a kid, you're just kind of like, you, you're in a car, you fall asleep, you wake up, oh, I'm here now, stuff's going on apparently. Yeah. Um, and it, it has that kind of the immediacy of how a child experiences life, perhaps with little explanation of what's happening. And there is a story going on there. And you might be surprised by how that story suddenly develops and throws itself at the forefront of the film while also remaining in the background, oddly. Um, I did not hate this film. <clears throat> um, I find it difficult to hate something that's made in such a 
it, it's got a real philosophy for how it's made um, most strongly at the beginning where you've got some of the most wonderful shallow depth of field photography I've seen for quite a while um, <clears throat> as the film goes on it kind of that depth of field gets wider and wider and the film gets more and more easy to understand as you see these these two kids where their their father is overbearing um he's emotionally distant he's difficult he's just kind of dragging them around no one explains anything to these kids they get taken to see their grandparents um is it a different town are they staying with them not 100 percent sure really uh, and then they kind of go around with adults to various places um a shopping market uh, out for trips to see friends having meals and stuff um <clears throat> i i don't know I, I i didn't hate this film at all but i'm never ever going to love a film which is um about kids at the center i don't know why it's just it's, <laughs> <laughs> i'm really sorry about this and you, you you are actually a father let's just say i am are. a father um yeah <laughs> kids at the center of a movie for me is is always a it's a little bit reductive either you have one of these movies where you, you hook a kid not literally hook a kid up but you have a kid interact with an older person and you get a lot of heartstrings plucked or you just look at the world through the eyes of a kid and everything's a bit scary and intimidating which is which is what this is really having said um, that having <clears> said that all that you did like yeah. p who I did like Pihu. I did. I mean, it's not a, a given, but I just tend to not warm as much to kid-centered films. And uh, Dear Etranger? Dear Oh, God, yeah. I, for me, Dear Etranger was more about the adults. But yeah, yeah, I, I see your point there. No, there, there are exceptions to every rule. And I didn't, I didn't hate this at all. Um, I, there was a lot to really like about it. The camera work is, is, is wonderful, blissful. Um, I love its kind of odd take on things. Um, we've seen other films shot like this as well, like um, Oleg and obviously The Ridge as well. Films which decide they're going to be they're going to film everything in one particular way and then stick to it and never deviate. And that's what Babai does. Um, and its philosophy is is well founded. Um, this is how kids see things. This is the kind of restricted vision you have as a child. Um, it's kind of like a it's like going through a scrapbook of someone's like half remembered memories from when they were a kid or something um which eventually eventually does tie up into a film and it leaves you with an ending where you go back and you start looking at things that happened and there were little signs of what was going to come all the way along there um i don't know i liked it didn't love it um looks great uh loved the use of family in it but what about you how do you how do you take to this one i didn't like it and i didn't love it uh, but basically, we should also say that this is from Rotterdam 2020. Yeah. Now, uh, people will remember how bad Rotterdam 2020 was for most of the films we did last year, apart from the film of the year, which was Alva. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's that's worth saying. So, you know, history could well end up repeating itself, but this is not Alva, Benjamin. Uh, right. I was going to say that. Uh, anyway, look, here's the thing. I can ju- you, You've actually described... A lot of it quite well. Uh, I can imagine something shit like this coming out of Britain, to be honest, from a director mm. who is definitely male with a beanie mm. hat, a goatee, and one piercing. Yeah. And I can Im- I can imagine this person being slightly arty, definitely a Guardian uh, Guardian uh, reader and a Labour voter, being interviewed about this film, saying, "I watched a lot of Cole Theodore Dre growing up, and I'm all about creating space for the characters to breathe." So you think, okay, what an interesting young uh, socialist left-wing warped individual. Let's check out the film. 
you watch the film and then you realise there's actually no dreary in this whatsoever. It's no. just yet another piss poor, low budget, handheld camera, RT pretentious load of shit. Did he, did he cite Dreyer as an influence for this no, film? No, but, it, oh, but okay. that's the point. This is an entirely yeah. fictional scenario, uh, an entirely fictional scenario that I just made up, Ben, because for me it actually rings true with the film. Because at the beginning of the film, you see, and I hate it when films do this, you see a quote. Uh, okay. it's all, you know, when you see a film that quotes Faust or is said to be inspired by Faust, otherwise, why would you do it? You know, mm. there, and then there's actually in the film, there's no deal with the devil, there's no begging for, for forgiveness, aka Faust things. Uh, it's, all, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't know why they went to the all the time and effort of explaining what Babai means in a kind of weird, confusing exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. you know, it's, it's, just, it's just like, you know, please just do me a favour. Like, you know, it's, this film is actually under an hour long, but it feels like three hours. It's a badly mm. made film. It's boring. And for me, it's actually pointless. And the only other thing mm. I want to say about it is the use of handheld camera. You've praised that. Um, yeah. uh, you know, this basically for those that people that say they hate films made by handheld cameras because it makes them feel disorientated and sick. Mm. This is how they feel when they watch any handheld camera film. <laughs> this film, because this film made me feel disorientated and sick. When you watch it done properly, you don't oh, get yeah. those feelings. But this is what those people feel when they see a good one in this film. Like it's appallingly yeah. made in that sense. That's, like, that's, it, a, you know, a nice little, that's a nice insight into how other people see things. You know? I mean, if you get, I, you get something else from Bad Boy, you got you got that. That's... Well, I mean, I, I, honestly, I've never quite understood why people feel that way about handheld camera films. Were it not for this film, this is a <laughs> film that broke the camel's back for me. Like, really, this made me feel disorientated and sick. It's blurry, yeah. it's out of focus, and it never, ever actually manages to capture the point it needs to, which would be fine going to your theory about, well, it's not a theory, it's a fact about what this film is. It's about a kid's perspective on things. But yeah. I also agree with you that I don't give a flying fuck about what a kid's yeah. When there's a story to be told, he's not the right person, i.e. the kid, to be telling it. Thank you very much. Nice. So, uh, yeah, and particularly at the end, I mean, oh, my God. Well, actually, before the end, there's also a horrible scene of walking through markets and you yes. can barely see anything at all. And then the ending, Christ on a bite the <clears> ending, <throat> different strokes for different folks and all that, but having a passion for out-of-focus light dots in the distance. Mm, Good mm, for you, Ben, yeah, but yeah. it's not my film of the week. <laughs> no, <laughs> not mine either, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Good Lord. I've got nothing else to say, honestly. Uh, want to finish <clears> off? I, I I was wondering if like, part of the way it was made, um, I was sitting there thinking, like, if you're a low-budget filmmaker, this is a really good way of going out into the into the towns of uh, this is shot in russia right um going out into the towns of russia and filming in the street without having to worry about anyone looking at the camera or noticing what you're doing because because you, you don't see anyone else and i i started wondering if this is an economy of filmmaking in public spaces without drawing too much attention as well but that's that's the last thing i've got to say about bye bye I, i'll move on Shall we say bye bye to bye bye? Bye bye, bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. From bye bye to Bento. Now, uh, Bento Harassment, which is without doubt, Ben, the mm. best film title we've ever had on the podcast. It, like, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, I think this is an outstanding job to call a film Bento Harassment. Um, <laughs> and, and you can just sort of tell that it probably isn't as dynamic a title in Japanese 
Uh, but you literally probably have these two words that, that translate as that. And it makes yeah. amazing sense in English, like yeah. bento harassment. Now, some of you may have seen this when cinemas were actually open in the United Kingdom, uh, which would have been during the Japanese film touring programme, which did the rounds between January and March. Uh, obviously, we do these, we do at least three or four films from that every year, and we will be doing three or four films from that again this year. Now, if you have seen it already, I hope you had a better time with it than I did, ladies and gents, because as good as the film title is, I feel equally confident in saying that this is the most tonally inconsistent Japanese film I've seen on the podcast so far. Mm. Basically, it's about a mother who is disconnected with her own teenage daughter, and she finds the best way of communicating with her is via messages that she makes with the food and puts in her lunchbox, a.k.a. the Japanese bento box. Meanwhile, a single father is similarly struggling with his own younger son and uh, tries to do the same thing. Uh, I really didn't like the film, Ben, primarily, uh. for the, primarily for the tonal reason I've already mentioned. It keeps veering from one thing to another in an almost dizzying effect. So if you think about Babai's dizzyingness in terms of its technical handheld production, yeah. this, is for me, is dizzying in terms of its actual tone. You've got drama romance, anger, violence, melodrama, zany comic book humour, and then ending with an absolute vomit-inducing amount of sentimentality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For, for <clears throat> me, for me, this film was a complete car crash. Now, I'd absolutely love not to give anything film of the week this week. I've threatened to do it in the past, but it would really set a dangerous precedent. <laughs> so, purely on the basis that this is a film about what for me is the best food in the world, my favourite uh, food, uh, and therefore does have lots of pictures of it, lots of cooking of it, the yeah. making up of the boxes and stuff. That reason alone makes makes this my film of the week. But believe me, I do not love this film at all. Uh, what Again, I've got lots more bad things to say about it. Again, I'll repeat that I do like the food side. And yeah. in fact, the film does capture really nicely how, you know, Japan has a massive, deep-rooted connection with its food and, you know, the people have with their own cuisine. And that's a pleasure for me, and it always will be a pleasure for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and I just wonder, from your perspective, as someone who has a child... and yeah, I got two. Uh, you got two, and uh, <laughs> I believe one of them, or one of them has been, or is, or will be, going through the troubling teenage period. Oh, oh yeah, they're, they're, we're, we're stuck in the... One of them is... The oldest is 19, the youngest is 16, so... This, no, you're this, there. Very, you are living, yeah, you are living this life, so yeah. I'll come over yeah, to you yeah. in a sector where you've got an extra connection out of it. Uh, for me, the characters, particularly the daughter, were thoroughly dislikable. Mm. Uh, the stuff with the other single father and his son was mostly a waste of time. Again, it felt bleeding three hours long when it was actually comfortably half of that length. Uh, the humour was of a Japanese hysterical bent that is yeah. not my thing, and uh, and or at least in large doses it isn't my kind of thing, but there is mm. quite, kind of a lot of it. Uh, not all films actually do this kind of humour. Uh, it's what we associate the most with the Japanese in terms of what comedy they like to do. Uh, we actually kind of hit upon films a lot of the time that don't have that humour in it, so for me to actually have to put up with a lot of it was a bit of a shock, but of course, I had no idea it was coming. So yeah. uh, as I say, more to be said on it, but uh, yeah, it is my film of the week. None too proud to say it, and... Uh, mm. How did you get on with bento harassment? I, I got on with it okay. So there, there are two things going into this. One of them is my kids are nineteen sixteen. They went through the manga years quite heavily, <laughs> yes, the manga yes. anime years. Yeah. And so I had to watch and read a lot of manga and anime that tonally matches bento harassment quite closely, which I thought was was oh hello callback. That's what they're doing here. Yeah. So there's one in particular called Fruits Basket. 
um, about a girl who well, her, her family is dead or something and she lives in the woods by herself but goes to school and gets involved in uh, a bunch of people who turn into animals when you hug them and the tone was a, a hell of a thing when I was reading it I was like what is is this funny is this sad what's going on here and the tone of Benta harassment really matches that to me so th this is a very Japanese story um, it's got that weird tone that they seem to, they, so it's a terrible thing, um, seems to go down really well there. But it is a bit jarring. So I just kind of went with it. I was just like, okay, here we are. We're in funny tonal land. Let's let's go on with this. That's okay. Um, after that, <clears throat> I actually kind of liked the, the picture of raising a teenager because there's one moment at the end where the teenage daughter writes a letter to her mother. And in the letter she writes... Um, you are scary and weird, but I love you, which for me kind of matched that that whole experience of teenage. That actually, everything, everything actually she doesn't say I love you. She says, I respect you. I respect you, which which, again, I quite liked. I, quite, I like how. So uh, imagine this is a UK film. Um, oh, God, <laughs> please. There's, there's not very much attempt to understand every generation's perspective on things. But Benta Harassment kind of gives you the experience that parents and teenagers are going through although this is a jokey comic family movie it's not it's not deep and serious and satirical but it, it does give you respect for different generations which i quite liked um the over-the-top melodrama again it matched for me that kind of fruits basket manga anime thing and I just kind of like, okay, this 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 is fine. This is where we live. I thought the ending was actually quite nice in its kind of reconciliation. But what I like about Japanese movies um, and culture is that they have this message of uh, wanting something is not enough. Um, wanting something does not guarantee that you will get it. So American movies in particular love selling kids this line that if you really, really want something, it will happen for you. But Japan doesn't say that. Japan says if you want something, that's fine, but you have to work a lot at it. You might not even get it at the end of that. So how, how do you like them apples? Mm. Um, and I, how, I like, how do you like those bento boxes? How do you like them bentos? Um, I love the bentos. Um, yeah. I love the progression as well the the final bento i found that moment actually quite moving when she unveils the final bento it was a lot, quite a nice moment yeah it, it was a, a nice little moment there were lots of bits of this which were just like tonally like slapping me in the face with confusion every now and then i like the animation i like that the false endings the film pretends to end a number of times oh no no, no 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 i disagree like no 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 moving on um, but this is also my film of the week as well. Um, yeah. I just, I think it might be because of all the bizarre things which are going on around us right now. Um, this was the kind of film I just needed to watch at the moment. Uh, it wasn't too bleak. Uh, it was a little bit cheerful. It, it gave me things to think about. Um, you know, it's, it's not the, the, best film ever made that's for sure but um <laughs> it was it was a message that i just kind of needed to hear right now yeah it was kind of nice and, and remember remember going outside having packed lunches <laughs> cycling around the world um this film does yeah so i didn't love it but yeah this is my film of the week for sure i mean the the false ending thing it it, it, it didn't yeah. really work the first time they did it then they did it again and it's like, yeah. God's sake, guys. That was embarrassing. Uh, so, yeah, no. There, yeah, there are some nice moments to be had in this film. I like mm. the, the cutting of the seaweed to make letters. 
Uh, yeah. Now, you know, as someone yeah. that uses seaweed a fair amount when I do this food for, my, for myself, I've learned something there. If I ever wanted to do symbols, I know what to do. Attach a bit of paper on my, and then have the seaweed under the paper. Genius. You know, that was, that was very, very, very clever. So thank you for that film. Uh, I am... The story about the father, though, so that was just bizarre. Um, I'm, I wasn't sure why that was there at all. No, the, uh, <laughs> I know there was a post-credit sequence that kind of wrapped it up a bit, but still. Yeah, but funny enough, funny enough, it 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 goes all the way through sentimentality at the end. So you're yeah. almost waiting for those two to become an item, the single mm-hmm. father and the single mother. And it's mm-hmm. not a spoiler; it really isn't because you won't be bothered at that point. But it doesn't happen, and it's like, no. well. So, so therefore, if you're going to offer me sentimentality and not give it to me, why did you yeah. even offer it to me in the first place? Yeah. I know. I just, I, that was the, the bizarre thing. You just 100% thought, oh, single mother, single father, they're going to meet up, united over their love of bento. Nah. <laughs> nah. I, I mean, what ultimately, you know, I ha- my heart does not recommend this film at all, to be brutally honest, despite the fact, you know, food and things. But mm. what, you know... <sighs> I I have to agree that you know, and also we've got another film to talk about. So in that sense, yeah. if you really, 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 you know, want to watch something that we talk about, this is the one to watch, uh, yeah. folks. So I will say that much. But oh my god, I mean, I mean, like, it's an odd duck. It really is. I mean, yeah, I'm just exasperated because I'm normally so infused about even average Japanese films, but this was just like, and and it's not a film that screams, "I want you to hate me." But you know, in, in the sense that maybe because of what's everything that's happening right now, maybe this is a film I actually did not need. I just wanted a world class. I wanted a, I wanted a world class film of the year candidate Japanese film, and it's not this one for no. the reasons I've stated. It's just it's just a bizarre bizarre thing. Um, yes, the McPhee of Japanese cinema. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, right. Let's move on then. So uh, we're going to finish off with 1986. Uh, ben, tell us about that one. <clears throat> okay, so 1986 is the debut feature, I believe, from Lothar Herzog, who is depressingly not related to Werner Herzog. Oh, I, I um, hope he was. That's why I hope you chose it. Uh, no, no, I, I, I did a lot of digging. I thought, oh, surely <laughs> this guy's related, really. But no, he's not. He, he is not a child of Werner Herzog. Um, it's the story of Elena, a student in Minsk in Belarus. Um and it's told largely chronologically, but it jumps around a bit. So, so will my description. So Elena is a student. Um, she lives in Minsk. Her father has been arrested and he's been arrested for uh, a, a tax crime or not, not paying fees or something. So she is continuing to run his business while he's in prison, which doesn't seem to be 100% legitimate. We're not really sure what he did and what she's doing. But this is definitely something which is kept under the radar and involves trips to um, the Chernobyl region of Ukraine. Um, And meanwhile, she's having a kind of tempestuous relationship with her boyfriend, Victor, kind of on again, off again thing, which is bleeding into her plans for perhaps one day leaving Minsk and moving to Moscow, um, possibly as a photographer, possibly uh under the charge of another man who seems to fall in love with her and that's kind of it you the film then jumps around between scenes of her relationship scenes of her with this this other man who might take her to moscow scenes with her father and scenes with her continuing her father's business um 
it's a very handsome movie. I'll give it that. Um, <laughs> out of all the three movies, this one had my favorite lighting, like bar none. I really loved how this film was lit. I loved the locations they used. So you go from kind of dingy Minsk interiors to more rural interiors, which definitely feel like houses in the Chernobyl region, which have been abandoned, which were yes. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, a wonderful brief moment where uh, <laughs> wood is talked about, the forests of Chernobyl. Um, and after Chernobyl happened, the, all the forests went red. So they've cut a bunch of trees down, they're looking at the trunks, and they point to a line at which Chernobyl happened where the colour of the wood changes from wood colour to red. And uh, someone who may be Elena's uncle, not sure, points to the trunk of a tree and says, there is 1986. And at that point, you go, ah, oh, that's why this film's called 1986. Right. Um, <laughs> that was a nice moment. I, I liked how little information was given about anyone. So you don't really understand Elena's relationship to any of the people around her that much. There's Victor, there's her mother, who kind of disappears. There's um, There are other people, but you, the film never stresses how she's linked to these people, what she's doing, what her dreams are. And we just kind of, we watch her um, amble through this existence with not much drive. She's not particularly doing anything. Um, stuff kind of happens to her more than anything else. Um, a major stumbling block for me with this film. Um, this might be my film of the week, except for one thing. And I, I feel dreadful saying this, but, but I am going to say it. Um, I, I'm not hundred percent convinced that the actress playing Elena was necessarily the best person for this role. I agree. Um, so something that I kept coming back to with my problem for this is her physicality for this role. Um, she is very, very slight. Um, and that, uh, this is, might be a prejudice of mine, but she's someone who's engaging in criminal activity. She's tough and punchy. But her, her frame is really, really small and delicate. Not like someone who's undernourished, but far more like, uh, dare I say it, a model. Um, it feels like they put a model at the centre of this film um, yeah. just just for those eyes that she, that she has. Um, and then they dress her kind of like a model as well. Maybe this is how people in Belarus dress. But she didn't, she felt to me like a little girl or like a, a dressed up model rather than someone who is punchy and you, she's supposed to be someone who will fight against the world around her. But I don't know, is it just me? She felt like a, it felt like a real model. I would have loved to have seen this film with someone else cast in the central role. That, that would have been really interesting for me. Not that she's a bad actress per se, Um it's just that she reads like a model to me rather than Elena, the the daughter of a criminal who is now engaging in some quite dangerous criminal activity. I mean, any of the people, any of the people she does deals with or meets would have snapped yeah. her in half if they wanted to. And yes, I completely agree with what you've said, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, all the other all the other actors really fitted their their type, um, you know, scary uh creepy uh, motherly that everyone everyone seemed just right and then it felt like they just plonked a model at the center of this film and then followed her around like no one else everyone else is, feels convincingly belarusian and grim um and you know tough but she didn't which that's you know a terrible thing to say 
Um, yeah, I mean, she... that, that may even be a deliberate point, but you are entitled not to agree with it. And I also don't agree with it either. So, you know, mm. I, I don't like to see that. No, I would. Yeah, I would have rather someone who from from this world, someone a, a little bit, a little bit tougher, a little bit more bruised. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also just dressed down a little bit as well. Uh, she feels like she's she's fashion modeling a lot of these scenes. Her clothes are, are very odd <laughs> in some of the moments. Well, um, as the film does like to tell us, uh, Belarus is one of the better Eastern European countries. Mm. Uh, in terms of its economic performance, there's, there's a scene where that happens in the lecture theatre. Yep. So uh, yep. maybe that is maybe that is actually a point. In which case, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know how Belarusians dress. Maybe that is how everybody dresses for sure. But yeah, um, yeah I I could be completely wrong on this. Lothar Herzog, drop me a line. Tell me how wrong I am. Well, I mean, uh, the fact we let's let's be fair. These are the fine, fine, fine details of this particular movie because the main po- <laughs> the main points to be said are how you know dreary and melodramatic and pointless this little film actually is for me. Uh, I lost patience with it quite early on. Uh, I, I mean, just very briefly hitching back over to uh, Bento harassment. The uh, Bento harassment ruined for me because uh, something happens to the mother which makes the daughter automatically kind of love her mother at least in part so therefore the bento boxes started to then become redundant at least that was a moment in the film where it was like okay i can understand why this movie fails uh which similarly happens in 1986 really because for me lena the lead character was insufferable she's a face with a permanent scowl i actually thought it was Mm. going to be a film about mental health uh, but done with a bit of subtlety. But no, she's actually just dull. Uh, she, the best bit of the film was when she took those nice clothes off. Uh, that is the best bit of the entire movie. And I'm glad that I'm stuck around longer. The, long the, the camera that, moment. Yeah, and I'm glad that I stuck yeah. around long enough to see that. Otherwise, fuck no. Uh, and, and actually, you know what? Here's the thing. With the slight impoverishment and kind of... Uh, just the, the the way that it dealt with the characters and the fact that it's, it's essentially a relationship that's going on here around i don't know at some point during the movie i actually started to think you know in the hands of somebody better and mm. if it was actually of a decent quality he could have done himself a monstery bit of genius here yeah. now the, re- the reason this is not monstery is very very clear to me however there are some similarities essentially as i say you've got a relation there there between a man and a woman you don't necessarily uh, lena and her boyfriend whose name escapes yeah. me you've already mentioned it uh, yeah yeah victor that's it there's a lot of kind of ambiguity with that relationship you're not quite sure whether they actually do stand with each other at any particular time it's a lot mm. less nuanced than monster is in that sense but there is a relationship uh, and there's a lot of kind of conversations and following these people uh, and, and the kind of the spend moments together, the spend moments apart. But I thought, of course, this is nowhere near a monster because A, you've got some humour and bloody hell, 1986 is crying out for one or two scenes of humour. Please. No, no time, no time. No, no time for that when you're stuck with dreary, unsufferable people. And secondly, monster was made by a director who actually wants to make a difference. Like, you can tell there's an auteur element. Like, he wants to play with us, the audience. He wants to play with the equipment. He's playing with us. Whereas this director is very, very serious, telling us a very serious story about a very serious, pretty young woman in a very serious country. And it's like, you know, there's a time and a place for that. Of course there is, but not in this particular film, Ben, for me. It just doesn't work on any level. No. I I was kind of lost as to what this 
film wanted to tell you. Like for for Babai, I I felt I I know I know what this film exists for. We're um, we're we're looking at something bleak and obscure through the eyes of someone who doesn't really understand what's going on. Better harassment. I also got. I didn't really get what 1986 wanted me to understand. Um, I didn't know what the Chernobyl connection really was, and I didn't really know. Like maybe there is no point, and maybe the point is chaos. Maybe the point is yeah, you know, yeah. after Chernobyl happened, there's no meaning, there's no rhyme or reason for it, but we can point to the cross section of a tree and identify where something took place, when something took place. But there is no underlying meaning other than that. The way this film wraps itself up at the end, without giving spoilers, kind of again, you're you're asked to find your own meaning of what's going on and what will happen next the film doesn't give you anything um yeah and, uh, but that, that, that i agree and that only works when the director actually gives you a tool set to, to work with yeah uh, but, and, and you haven't got that here no no you don't um yeah i, I wasn't sure what, what i was supposed to presume about this the, the victor relationship <clears throat> one thing i liked about it one thing i liked about this film in general is that you there were several points where you weren't sure when you were in the movie um it will just it will just cut to a flashback without kind of any cueing it afterwards it'll cut back to so you'll have a scene of her on a train for example then you'll cut to something else and you'll think you're later on in the movie but then they'll cut back to her on the train and you go oh right i was i was in the flashback okay gotcha and this film does jump around in time quite radically um although it always cues you up afterwards so you you know that what you just saw was a flashback but it's temporarily disorienting. You'll suddenly not be sure where you are in her relationship, in her relationship with her parents. Um, that that was not awful. And again, the lighting in this film is glorious. This this film looks really good. If I was going on just how things looked, this might be my film of the week. Although, then I've got you've that, done that, that. You've done that before. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do that a lot, really. Um, you do. <laughs> sorry, about that. sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there was just there was too much that I had questions about, and yeah, yeah that, that that frame. I did. I feel terrible because when I saw the Watchmen, ever remember Watchmen in a cinema? Ever remember going to cinemas? Um, I was sat next to this guy who I didn't know. He was just having a chat with his friends, and he launched into this whole thing about uh, one of the characters in Watchmen, and he was going, "Well, she doesn't really have the kind of physical presence needed to really beat people up, and she does a swift kick to the head." And I feel like I'm that guy now, talking about 1986, saying, "Oh, this this lady is too fragile to be doing crimes." That's you know a prejudiced thing for me to say, but it, it really watch the film and see what you think well but uh, think she doesn't really do any bloody crimes though <laughs> there's well, a lot I mean, of talking about crimes and there's yeah. a lot of meetings about crimes but you know, fucking yeah. crimes happen it's well, just there, you, know, you know there are two but you don't really know that one of them is a crime at the time no um, it's not, no this you know i mean enough on this film actually i i, I you know enough of this crap really I'm, i mean it, it's all this week, <laughs> it, 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 oh, indeed, this is this is this is a bad sign for our future isolation that we have to watch stuff like this. However, that is life, yeah. unfortunately. Just like yeah. this film, this film may be life in Belarus. It may be making a really it serious might, point. Might be, this might be how people dress. This might be how people look. Hey, I don't I, know. I, 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 I've seen how Bulgarians dress, and that isn't that far away from Belarus, really. I don't think it's not close. It's not that far. It's. I don't know, we'll leave that comment there, by the way. However. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a but you know uh, my final point on this particular film and indeed the podcast is you know having pointlessness in a film 
I, I really don't like to criticise that. I really don't, because that is someone's bleak view of their own world that they bring into a film. Yeah. I yeah. like that in films. But pointless for the sake of being pointless is what this film is. And that's what I don't like. Mm. That's why that's why I'm a fan of, a massive fan, as you know, of Michael Haneke, mm-hmm. because his version of pointlessness always has a reason for it. Oh, it's yeah. either it's either it's either um news reporting or something he's read in a newspaper, or in general, crime being utterly bereft of you know sense you know yeah. completely senseless crimes and, and and societal problems that for him just make him think that everything is pointless that is absolutely fantastic to me that is not 1986 as far as i'm aware no uh, and not not that not that you have to be a hanukkah to do pointlessness but uh, anyway why am i trying to make any excuses for this movie it sucks nearly all of the nearly all of them suck to a high level this week i apologize but uh <laughs> You know, as I say, we've we've kept you uh, alive listening to something else for you know just over half an hour now. So we've done our job. Ben, yes. will we we ourselves will be back next month, hopefully with better. Oh yeah, I did guaranteed. Yeah, Guaranteed. Uh, yeah, three uh, even even just one, just one better <laughs> film than these three will do me fine. And we've got half a chance of that because I'll be choosing two of the next three. So <laughs> bit of fail. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, no. I I, I refuse your apology because you don't deserve to send Thank one. You. So that's absolutely Thank fine. So we'll be back then. Me and Paul will be back in a couple of weeks. So uh, hold on to your hats. Keep your loved ones close if you can, ladies and gents. We will be back soon. 